Welcome. Welcome. Ice cream and term paper dug. It's the Improbable Research Podcast. I'm Mark Abrams, editor of the magazine Annals of Improbable Research, with a special pocket-sized episode about research that makes people laugh then think. If you like what you hear today, consider supporting us at our website, improbable.com. In Cambridge, Massachusetts, amidst hunkering hordes of scientists and engineers and students, all of them hungry for knowledge and ice cream, a cozy store called Toscanini's Ice Cream is, in some ways, the center of it all. Here are some flash-frozen bits of history from Toscanini's ice cream techno-sociologist Gus Rancatori. Toscanini's opened in September of 1981, and we were located in what I think was a four-story building constructed after the American Civil War. And the first floor had shops, and the top three floors were mostly housing for grad students and those sorts of people. There was one guy who lived upstairs named Doug, who was whispered about as though he were a criminal mastermind, because Doug, whose last name I don't remember, helped people write term papers. Professionally? Yes, you could pay Doug $20 and he would help you write a pretty good term paper on a subject of your teacher's choosing. Did some of the transactions happen in the ice cream store? Well, Doug used to meet people downstairs. In the store? Yeah. And I never saw any exchange of money, but you know, he would talk to people about what the course was about. And he never seemed to be at a loss for uh, writing term papers. The thing I remember was Doug was treated like Lex Luthor. Nobody cares about writing term papers these days. I don't know what you'd have to do to get such an equivalent reputation. I don't think that selling drugs would get you as much notoriety as he had. People whispered about him all the time. That's Doug. Don't, don't set him off. And, you know, he was a very mild guy. The thing I remember about Doug was, I believe he drank seemingly endless amounts of Diet Coke or Diet Pepsi. He always had a six pack of one beverage or the other and was on his way upstairs to write some research paper for somebody. Did you ever talk about any of his papers with him, about the things he was writing? Occasionally I did, although I don't remember them. I mean, Doug was, as you'd expect, a very well-read generalist, the kind of person you'd enjoy meeting in a bar or maybe an ice cream store. If you wanted to talk to somebody about the charge of the light brigade, Doug could tell you when it took place and where it was and this and that. And then if somebody else arrived and wanted to talk about the difference between Indian elephants and African elephants, he could handle that too. How about Doug's customers? Was there anything distinctive about them as a group? What was distinctive about them was kind of a lack of intensity that suggested laziness. I mean, specifically. Well, one of the things about our customers who were often from MIT or Harvard, but also from other places like BU and Northeastern, was they were a pretty hardworking bunch of people. They stayed up late at night. They would come in with piles of books that would cover um, the table while they ate ice cream or talked about some project they were working on. And Doug's um, customers seemed to be a little bit more relaxed about almost everything. They didn't have that much work to do. Doug had to do the work. I do remember that the previous landlord rewarded Doug, who might not have had a car, with a parking space, a named parking space in the back. Rewarded? You know, in a place like Cambridge or Boston or New York, parking spaces are often designated. Yeah. And it would say, Fred Lynn's parking space, don't you dare park here. And Doug had a parking space, but I'm not sure he had a car. 
and Doug works on the top floor of the building. And um, every once in a while would show up and ask if I could um, give him an ice cream cone or a cup of ice cream, which he would pay me for sometime in the future. And frankly, I don't remember ever getting paid for any of those ice creams. He was an amiable and interesting guy. Did he have favorite flavors that you remember? Nope. Doug um, Doug just wrote term papers. He was a guy with a specialty. He didn't come down and talk to me about politics or his favorite Boston Bruin or anything like that. He um, came down, got some ice cream, went back upstairs and drank some more Diet Coke and wrote term papers for people. As far as you know, that was his whole life, writing term papers? The story would be better if you found out that Doug was really Philip K. Dick or you know someone who wrote science fiction novels that were objects of cult fascination. But as near as I can tell, Doug did what he did, which was illegal. But how illegal was it? I mean, did anybody on the Cambridge Police Department ever arrest someone for writing a term paper? I just remember that it was notorious at the time that there were people who were willing to write term papers for um, undergraduates and probably graduate students. It'd be great if we could find out what happened to Doug. I mean, did he become a tenured faculty member at some out-of-the-way state university? Or, you know, is he teaching in Canada? Who knows? Did you ever see any uh, reaction to Doug or comment about Doug from any professors or any teachers? Nobody ever came in, and we had a lot of professors. Nobody ever came in and said, if I get my, can get my hands on this guy, I'm going to strangle him. He keeps selling the same term paper to people, which Doug did not do. I did know professors who had stories of students who resubmitted term papers, and some living groups and fraternities at MIT maintained files of test results, test questions, and even uh, term papers that they would share with their members. So, you know, you could, if you were studying the charge of the light brigade, to return to an earlier example, you could get a six-year-old paper that, you know, might have gotten a B plus or an A minus, and your hope was that the teacher who gave that grade out wasn't there anymore. Did Doug ever pay for an ice cream even once that you remember? No. Doug was very amiable. If you were going to continue, Doug was a little like Wimpy in the Popeye cartoons. And it sometimes sounds as though all I ever did was, you know, watch black and white cartoons in the afternoon and, and what read comic books. But Doug, like Paul Slavensky, just reminded you of a comic book character. Paul Slavensky is the uh, inventor or, or the inspiration for chocolate sluggo ice cream. Immortal. There must have been a lot of people who wrote their papers of various kinds while they were sitting in the store eating ice cream. Well, my favorite story is about someone who was in the store almost all the time, working with great intensity. And um, finally, after a month of what seemed like six to 10 hour sessions in the ice cream store, I said, um, what are you working on so so hard? And he looked around like he expected Doug Aldrich or some policeman looking for Doug to come after him. And he said, I'm working on a bootleg version of Farmville, if you remember that game. Mm -hmm. I said, well, how's that going? And he goes, I made $10,000 last month. So obviously it was going pretty well. He never had any trouble buying ice cream or cups of coffee, but all he really wanted to do was finish this video game. He eventually finished that game and created a gaming company with another friend who came in and didn't work as intensely, but helped start the business. And they, in kind of the parlance of Wired Magazine, they blew up that game and sold it to a company and became immensely successful. You, yes, you, you've been listening, if you've been listening to a special pocket-sized episode of the Improbable 
Research Podcast. The podcast is a quasi, kind of, sort of secret outgrowth of the magazine Annals of Improbable Research. I inveigle you to subscribe to the magazine and buy some back issues. Also get some details about the 2020 Ig Nobel Prize ceremony and how we're coping with the copious constraints of the COVID-19 pandemic. And also get some info about how you can help via our Patreon. All this at our website, improbable.com. It's possible that Seth Glicksman is the improbable production assistant. Next time on this podcast, we're going to look at something or other. Until then. Goodbye. 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 <laughs>